Welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here with Scott Sharp. Scott, it's great to see you. I haven't seen you in weeks. No, I've, I've been off and about, so it is really good to be back. I'll answer some gardening questions again today. Excellent. So what have you got lined up for us? Well, I thought I would talk about today a plant called walking iris, a really versatile plant. Uh, also, if you need to plant some roses, what to do about the preparing your garden bed to have them uh, you know, flourish and yep. look lovely for you. And primula, time to plant them as well. Excellent. Of course, if you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, 49216216. And leading us off today is Sid from Charlestown, and his poinciata tree is not looking overly great. Oh, it doesn't sound good. Good afternoon, Sid. How can we help Hello, you with poinciata, mate? Yeah, the old poinciata, I know you like these trees, but... Uh, I do love, love them. Yeah, this one's... It grew uh, really rapidly to start, but it was only a sapling when I put it in. And uh, now it just looks like it's dead and basically it is you can hear those branches snap and and one branch has still got a few leaves on it but uh, I I just wondered if the roots are being attacked by those um, root bugs you know that chew up all the roots I don't know yeah look everything else else is fine yeah oh great look that that's possible how old is is your poinciana Sid oh probably about three Okay, so it's not not too old yet. They they are a difficult plant to grow down here in Newcastle. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they are more of a, a tropical, subtropical tree. So once you get up to Coffs Harbour and then up to, to Brisbane, they just are yeah. magnificent up there. Uh, you know, they're all along the Brisbane River, um, huge yeah, big yeah. canopies on them. They look a little yeah. bit like a jacaranda, I guess, but with red flowers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not a... No, an, this one... Uh... This one was just a sort of a sapling, mm. basically had no leaves, and uh, it sort of stayed in the ground for a while, and all of a sudden it just grew, and all these branches came out, and it was uh, lush. And uh, then I was expecting this season for it to power on, but it just went backwards. It got leaves on it all over it, but not to any great uh, degree. It wasn't uh, really aggressive or, or, or anything like that and then they just sort of fell off mm. over a bit of time and just left this one branch with a few poor little leaves sticking out. Yeah, well, yeah. well don't, don't give up on it. Uh, they they really don't like winter here, so you're going to have to try and, you know, uh, be very tender with it through winter. If you know you're going to get mm. strong winds and or a frost to... You know, to throw an old sheet or something over it just to try and protect the ends of the branches. Um, yeah. mate, mate, I notice you're in Charlestown. Uh, what, what are the soil conditions like that you've got the plant in? Oh, uh, well, we've got a few inches of topsoil and then it's pretty clay. Yeah. But I dug it I dug it quite deeply and, uh, you know, put um, Australian soil mix in and all those sorts of things. Every other plant, it's all cactus and succulents, mm. right, the whole thing. And uh, I've got two big two big cactus beside it. You know, the green with the yellow striped edges? Yes, I do, uh, yep. Yeah, I think they grow quite large. Um, one, of them's, one of them's powering on, and I'm just wondering if that's affecting it. Yeah, look, I think now, you know, you've described your soil conditions to me. I think that's going to be the problem with the poinciana. They don't like clay soils like that. They like a really open, uh, you know, loamy sort of soil, I guess, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, got lots of organic matter in it. Now, this is probably the reason that it's, it's powered on for you over a couple of years, and then all of a sudden the root systems hit that clay, Oh, and yeah. it's just going, oh, no, that's exactly... The, I don't want that, thanks very much. And no, it, it's turning... Yeah, we it's, had that much rain too, yeah. yeah. so it would have been like a little well in there for it. just couldn't soak up the water. Um, 
Look, the the only thing I could suggest is, uh, you know, taking it back out, you know, but even that's going to be problematic and trying to increase the size of the hole. Eventually it's going to hit the into the clay and it's just not going to be a very happy plant. So it, it, it might be that it's just not going to be a successful plant for you up there in Charlestown, Sid. No, it's a shame. I was looking, I've got it in the prominent position in the garden, you know, <laughs> and I was foreseeing this lovely canopy. And, uh, yeah. But anyway, something else will have to suffice, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, look, sorry about the bad news, but I, I, I think that's going to be the problem with that plant. Yeah, fair enough. No okay. worries. Good on you. Okay, and thanks, thank you Mike. for the call, mate. Appreciate it. No worries. Cheers, Cheers. mate. Bye. Jeez, thanks, Sid. We've got Pam now from Cessnock, and she wants to know if spiders can kill outdoor potted plants. Well, it depends how big the spiders are. <laughs> Pam, describe your spiders to us. Sorry? How big are your spiders that are killing the outdoor plants? Well, I'm not quite sure. What I've found was, like, there, I've, got, I've got a patio, and then there's, the cemented driveway and the the pots are sitting on the cemented driveway just below the patio and I had them pushed up against the patio and one day I noticed these white things this plant wasn't growing and I seen these white things sitting around the base of the plant. And I thought, oh, and I grabbed the fork. And when I picked, when I went to dig at them, they all lifted up in one. As When I looked at it, it looked like a spider's web that was all entangled around the bottom of the plant. Mm. This happened a couple of times. So... I pulled the plants away from the patio and I could see that underneath that there was a lot of spider webs under there. But I'm not silly enough to stick my hand under there to go look to see what to- how big the spiders are. No, no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I, I look. I, you hear people say, "Oh, spiders kill indoor plants and they or outdoor plants, and they do this and do that." But I, I've just never been able to see or understand how that that would actually be so. Um, you know, spiders aren't you know digging in the dirt and uh, you know in, it'll, you know increasing the water flow through the through your pots, you know, through the potting mix. Uh, even if they do put a web over the plant. They're not, you know, taking away the light or doing anything bad or, you know, actually feeding on the plant in any way whatsoever. So, look, my short answer is no, I don't think that spiders uh, actually are harmful to to plants. I mean, they could, in, in fact, be helpful in that they uh, any little sort of flying, sap-sucking insects it's, that come along, they come along fun. and catch them, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, look, I, I wouldn't just go and willy-nilly kill spiders around plants. I, I don't mind spiders anyway. It's the, the snakes that I'm not real happy about. But <laughs> if there's one of those around your plant, that then you know you've got some problems. Uh, but, uh, look, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Uh, it, I mean, it might be useful. Did you actually see spiders coming out of that web? Is, is that something you've noticed? or do you... mm, I, Like I said, I don't go. I don't go looking. <laughs> well, uh, and they very likely come out of the night time when I'm. I don't go out. So it's it's 
mainly during the day when I go out to water them and I, I've noticed this. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm wondering if you've, in a way, misidentified it. It might be some sort of fungal disease that's actually, uh, you know, around the plants. Are the plants well, suffering at the moment? Is no, any- since I've pulled them away from the patio and away from where the spiders' webs and that are, I haven't had it anymore. Okay. Um, I, I was just interested if the plants were suffering or you thought, you know, something was wrong with the plants. No, well, the the one that this... It was only happening to one plant and it was dying. It was dying. Okay, okay. So I, I pulled it... I pulled all the plants away from, from around the patio and yeah. they're now about a foot away from the patio. So it, and it's... There's been, I've, I haven't picked up anything. Like I said, when I picked it up with the with the gardening fork, mm. it, it all picked up in one big bundle mm. and it was stringy and everything. Okay. And that what, that's what made me think it might have been from the spiders yeah. because it was stringy like a web. And then I sprayed underneath the patio with surface spray. And like I said, I'm not going to stick my hand under there to have a look. <laughs> okay, I'll look. Get, I... I'll, get, I'll get down on my knees to have a look. <laughs> well, then, then it, I, I wouldn't be too worried if the if you know if the spiders there. I'm thinking even if you've moved them away from the patio, they might have been out, uh, you know, able to get some more you know rain as well when it's been raining. That might have helped no, them. You they're know, all, they're all under. They're all under a carport. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So look, as long as you know, as long as the spider isn't any bigger than what a, a dinner plate or a, a saucer, <laughs> I, I, I think they're safe enough to to leave around plants. As I said before, I, I, I just can't think of any reason why a spider is, is going to be harmful to a plant, and is most you know, probably, in fact, going to be helpful in a way um, to you know keeping your plants healthy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It just seemed odd that I've since I pulled it away from the patio, and that that it hasn't happened again. Yeah. And I was I was just thought you know maybe there is a plant eating spider out there. <laughs> no, no. Look, there's not. But uh, look, keep in touch with us. Let us know how they're they're still going in a couple of months' time. Okay. okay. And you and. Thanks to you, I did get rid of those bright green grubs that I had. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm sure I would have given some. Yeah. <laughs> some I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have done it in a, in a nasty way. It would have been a nice way to get rid of them. Feed them to the birds or something. Pyrethra and spray. Yes, got, that got works a treat. Got rid of them perfectly. Okay. So thank you very much for that advice. Okay, that's great. Thanks for the call, Pam. Thanks. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. I don't mind those big spider webs, though, when you see them all, like the big circle ones. Yeah, well, that's the pit. I, I like to see them. It's when I don't see them and I walk, and when you straight, walk straight through them. Through them, yeah. And, and they've got... Don't want the spider, though. No, not the spider. And you and I wear glasses, so you know what happens then. It's sort of oh, it's all, all yeah. over your glass and you've got to take your glasses off. Uh, and that's all sticky. It goes through your hair. Yeah, not good. Forever pulling out spider webs. Yeah, little charlottes. So we've got Kelly from East Brankston and her rosemary hedge has died. She might think it's the rain's fault. Oh, let's, not. Not, let's not blame the rain. Kelly, what's been uh, happening? 
Well, we planted a hedge of rosemary across the front of our house and it just started to get, like, tall enough to start actually, you know, hedging it. Yes. <laughs> and then we got all that rain and then half of the plant just, yeah, they just died and we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> Not good. So... It, it could be, it could be. I'm going to ask you another question. What's your soil yep. like there in East Brankston? Um, how would you describe it? Soil? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's that dirty. That's no, that's good. We we like it. We like it. Um, w- would you say it's uh, heavy soil or clay soil, or is it really open uh, sort of soil? Um, well, where we planted the hedge, it is always really wet, which is why we planted the hedge there and we put a path mm-hmm. so that we're not walking across. So I'd probably say it's probably, I don't know whether it's clay, but it's definitely not like open soil. Okay, so it's fairly damp. I think it is yep. the problem with your rosemary. They, uh, you know, obviously rosemary grow in really dry, arid conditions, you know, on the yep. side of a rock sort of thing. I think yep. what's happened is that, uh, yeah, they have just almost drowned uh, in the amount yep. of water that we've had. Unfortunately, if it is, uh, you know, a really wet, moist spot that you've had, uh, your rosemary is not going to be very happy. So, uh, yeah, that, that's probably what's happened uh, there with you. The only thing you could do, I guess, if you wanted to try and replant is, uh, you know, try and open it up and put some, uh, you know, I guess a more open mix in there so that it drains easier and even yep. have some drainage to try and get rid of the water from that area. Yeah, right, okay. So if, if we chose to not do rosemary, what would be suitable to grow there as a head? Yeah, so you probably want something that's going to soak up a little more water. How tall yeah. do you actually want the hedge to get? Um, it's only got to be like a metre or a metre 1.2, I think, at the tallest point. We're using it as um, like um, subflooring. Yes, Instead yeah. Instead of putting flats, we're putting a hedge. Okay, so there are some lily pilly varieties. That there's one called Tiny Trev, which only stays, you know, fairly small. Uh, yep. It will soak up the water for you in that position. So that might be a, a good variety for you to uh, to try. You can get larger growing lily pillies, uh, but unfortunately, they'll you know get too big for you and just be forever yeah. pruning them. So you want yep. one of those dwarf varieties. Yep. Okay. Okay, all right. that's all right. Not a problem. Good luck with it. Uh, and look, as I said, even with drainage, it can be just as simple as, you know, digging a little trench and, and filling some, uh, you know, uh, well, I used to call it slag, you know, like aggregate. Um, right. Yeah, no, it was called slag back in the day. Right, you, yeah, Greg's looking at me, doesn't believe me it was. Uh, but yeah, that, that sort of, um, you know, grey metal uh, sort of rock that you can put in there and that will drain the water away for you as well. Yep. All right, then. Okay. Okay. Thanks Thank for, you. Thanks for the call, Kelly. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And we've got Pauline from Rutherford, and she's got worms in the lawn. Good afternoon, Pauline. How can we help you? Oh, I hope you can. We had the most beautiful lawn, and with all the rain, it was so green, and the only fertiliser it got was Charlie Carp, if I'm allowed to say that. But um, now... We have just got so many earthworms. There's craters everywhere. What we have been doing was just getting some soapy water. And as they come to the top, we'd pick them up and put them in a bucket because we don't want to hurt them because we know they're valuable to the soil. And then we just take them over and put... There's a park across the road and we take them over and put them in the park and they can do what they like over there. That's so that's really nice. You, you, you sort of do? you're you're rehousing the worms. That's a lovely thing to do. 
Yeah. But the other thing you can do is let, if you've got some magpies in the area, they can you know come in and have a feast as well if they want to. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah, good, good. Now, wor- worms, fe- as you said, Pauline, worms for your lawn aren't a bad thing. They're, in fact, you know, really, really helpful to your lawn. It's just that the conditions have been so wet uh, that every, you know, they're all just coming up to the surface. Uh, they have their little, you know, mounds there and then... It can make a bit of a mess. So, unfortunately, yeah, look, it, it, at this time, you know, with the, the rain we've had, they are making a bit of mess of people's lawns, but not a bad thing. Um, they're going through the soil, they're eating, they're pulling out the backside, and that's actually helpful for your lawn as well. It's feeding. Uh, it's also aerating the lawn as well. So it's, it is a good thing. So I think just the way you're doing it, just sort of, you know, bringing the numbers down slightly and introducing them to another environment is the, is the right way to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's what we've been doing because we don't really want to kill them because they are good for the soil. Yes, yeah. We do have a big park, like I said, across the road. So we just get them, we pick them up, put them in a bucket. When we get a fair few in the bucket, we take them over and tip them out in the park across the road. Have you you got any other garden beds as well that you could introduce them back into? No, we we don't want them. (laughs) You don't want them. (laughs) We We have got gardens, but we don't want them. The worms. Yeah. Okay. But We're look, they hundreds of them. Yeah, and I think it is just because of the rain. They're all driven up to the surface. Uh, you obviously have really fantastic soil because the the worms want to be there, and so that's a great indication of the like the, how well you're looking after your garden. Yeah, my husband is very fussy with the lawn, and it was so green and so nice, and you sunk down in it when you walked on it, you know. But just now, it's all craters and. Yeah. It's awful. It's yeah. awful to walk up. Look, I think one of the, the benefits of all the rain that we've had through February and March is that we haven't had the, the issue of, uh, you know, lawn grub or black beetle or crickets uh, this year that we normally get. Uh, and yeah. the rain's just kept all everyone's lawns, you know, thriving and just going really well. So if we have had those lawn grubs and black beetles in there chomping away, it hasn't manifested itself, uh, you know, because it hasn't been dry and the root systems, you know, haven't been destroyed by those those creatures. And uh, so I guess uh, some earthworms, probably not a bad thing because we've dodged the bullet of the, uh, of the army grub and the black beetle this year. It's not just some earthworms. It's hundreds of them. <laughs> oh, no, no. It, it's, it's like a, a, the uh, lady with the spiders before almost, uh, you know, the same thing. A good thing, but, um, yeah, if you, if you don't want them, you're doing the right thing just by rehousing them. Yeah, well, we know we won't get them all, but if we just, like you said, down, downsize a bit. <laughs> yeah, very good. Well, thank you very much for the call, Pauline, and, um, yeah, good luck with them. Okay, thank you. Cheers, bye-bye. Now, Scott, you mentioned earlier... Now's a good time to start preparing beds for roses. Yes, it is a good time for preparing beds for roses. <laughs> uh, because roses are going to be coming into your garden centres very soon. Yep. Uh, it's getting towards the time where they will start digging them, although I'd say that's going to be still a couple of weeks away. But this cold weather, what's happened? I mean, that's a big fresh snap over the weekend. Yeah, so, you know, people might be, the growers might be getting ready to dig their roses uh, once they become dormant with the, uh, the cold weather we're having at the moment. So... They could be in the shops earlier earlier than we think. Um, so it is actually time to uh, prepare your beds to, yep. to plant those roses. Uh, now, you're not uh, not going to make a, a, you know, a 
Get the fl- get the change the flannels. The no, su- I knew you, I knew you were sheets. going there. I was just giving you all opportunity <laughs> to do that. You're not going to be doing that. You're trying to get some great organic matter into the soil, uh, so that once you put your rose in there, it's it's bedded down that organic matter. It's sort of gone off. The heat's gone out of it, and it's just going to take off uh, in the soil for you. Now, this sort of organic matter that you need to put in uh, to get your roses going, uh, you can use the potting mix if if you want to. Yep. Just uh, get a potting mix in there, till it through the soil. Poultry manure is a fantastic thing. Uh, obviously, you can't plant directly into it, so that's why I'm talking about getting it into the bed and preparing that bed now. And start mixing it through. Yes, absolutely. So you can get a, you know sort of half a bag of uh, poultry manure if you want to. Uh, start digging it through the soil in the area. Uh, any other sort of you know compost that you might have sitting around the garden as well. Get that in there. Uh, just dig it all around. Make a really nice little cocktail of uh, organic matter, <laughs> yep. and that'll be ready for your roses. You know, let it sit for you know three to four weeks and you'll be able to plant your uh, bare-rooted roses straight in there. Excellent. Just do a bit of mixing and you're done. That's all you need to do. But we've got Kath on the line anyway from Hamilton and she wants to take care of indoor plants and cleaning the leaves that are damaging to the plants. G'day, Kath. How can we help you? Oh, hi, Scott. Yeah, look, um, I um, I regularly um, clean the leaves of my indoor plants or, or um, you know, whatever, with either a neem oil water spray or, um, you know, some people even clean the indoor leaves with mayonnaise, would you mean? Now, the question is, whatever you, if you clean your, your, your leaf with anything other than water, are you blocking up the stomata, um, you know, or the little, the little breathing apparatus of the leaves? No, so my my understanding is that they're on the underside of the leaf. So by cleaning the top of the leaf, you're not actually blocking them up, and and it's right. a, and uh, it's a pretty sort of common uh, you know thing that people do cleaning the leaves with their plant. Most commonly, people use white oil. Uh, yep. You can get that as a, you know in a pressure pack if you want to, or you can mix it up and uh, put it into a little spray bottle and spray it on yourself. And that seems to be a, a you know a good thing to do for plants. It actually uh, provides some protection to uh, you know to pest infestation as well, and it just makes them look yeah. a little bit nicer. Um, so look, no, yeah. it's certainly not uh, damaging the, the plant by doing that. Right. I'm interested right. in the, the the idea of mayonnaise, though. That's 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 <laughs> that's really got me confused. You yeah, got... look, they get a lovely shiny. Um, shiny appearance after you clean them with mayonnaise. I got that little tip off, um, I'm into orchids, and and um, I was watching on YouTube one time and, and got that little tip off somebody that made a YouTube on, you know, orchids and cleaning them and looking after them and stuff. And it does work, it, it's lovely. But then, you know, somebody said to me, and I, I, I thought, because sometimes the stomata are, are on the top of the leaf, aren't they? Not, you know, not, not um, generally, but... Sometimes. Yeah, so in certain plant varieties they are, but I guess the most of the ones that we you know use in indoors, you know, definite bark yeah. ears, uh, philodendrons, uh, spathophyllums, yeah. they're all on the underside, so no problems there. So okay. I'm, I'm I'm still just transfixed by the, the mayonnaise thing. I'm just not going yeah. away from that. But I wonder if, if it's because mayonnaise has got a lot of oil in it. I wonder if that's why it works. But I just can't get yeah. the idea of putting well, could something. Could you use olive oil as well, or? Well, the idea of using something white and then trying to clean... Anyway, I'm just leaving that one alone. If anyone else has tried it, happy to hear from them. That's, Give yogurt a go. Well, that's that's a weird one. But look, I think white oil, uh, neem oil that you're using, uh, that doesn't seem yep. like a bad thing to do. 
Uh, I know with neem oil, they have to be careful. You can't always use it on edible plants. Uh, it does have some sort of weird withholding periods if you're going to eat the particular plant, uh, you know, the fruit from that plant. So um, maybe just be careful about that. Uh, white oil certainly, you know, you know, keeps scale insects and other things at bay. So, uh, you know, a, yeah, a good thing to good. use. Yeah, okay. Thanks, okay. Scott. Really helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for Bye. the call, Kath. You've absolutely mystified me here this <laughs> afternoon, but I'll, I'll, I'll process that probably in a dream tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> okay, thanks, Scott. Thank you. I'm dreaming Bye. about mayonnaise. Well, that's, well, that's when you process ideas, isn't it, to, that you've heard during the day? When you go to bed and, yeah. and you sleep and you dream about cleaning leaves with mayonnaise. Well, well that's, that's what I, I might dream about but tonight, but... Might get mayonnaise on the way home and give it a go. See how, see how it goes. It, it sounds very unusual, but if, again, if anyone else has tried that trick, I'd uh, love to hear from them if they've had some success. Right, that's gotcha. We're nearly out of time for another week. Oh, really? I'd but just... before you go, yes. before don't jump out of the chair. Okay, okay. <laughs> You mentioned, speaking of walking, yes, the walking plant you mentioned earlier. Yes, the walking iris. It is a really beautiful plant, really easy to look after. It grows in, in shady spots uh, around the garden for people. Uh, and people often put it into a hanging pot. Yeah, uh, you could have it on a green wall if you wanted to. It's a, it's a thin, you know, sort of strippy um, green uh, leaf that comes out, but it does have a beautiful iris flower as well that comes out the end. Now, the reason it's called a walking iris is because when the end of the leaf touches the ground, then it sort of starts to root from there, and you get another leaf coming from that. So that's why it gets this this idea of it's walking along the ground. So it looks like it's moving, but it's not. Well, it is. It just keeps on moving along the ground by putting down a root and then the next oh, one. Right, yeah, okay. So it keeps yep. on going now like I'm that. Now I'm with you. Yeah, so a little, it's really tolerant. Growing in most uh, parts uh, of Australia, it's cold tolerant, which is really important at the moment. Uh, you know, shade, part shade, probably needs to be out of the wind. That's the only thing I'd say about it. It is clumping, and it's clumping by the way that it walks. Uh, it likes well-drained soil and uh, not going to flower, though, till spring and summer. So that's something to consider, but uh, a really tough plant, and that's called walking iris. Right, yeah, get it in now so it's ready for spring. Absolutely, you'll get lots and lots of beautiful flowers. Scott Sharp, thank you very much, and we'll speak to you again next week for Guarding Talkback. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.